Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us, the editor of the Weekly Standard, Bill Crystal. And Bill, I have a very simple question for you on the first week of, uh, of 2013. How depressed should Republicans be after the fiscal cliff fiasco? Well, first of all, Michael, Happy New Year. and Happy New Year to all of our listeners. And um, we shouldn't be too depressed, actually. Uh, if you had uh, told me, you know, two months ago that President Obama was going to win re-election pretty easily, unfortunately, and Republicans would lose seats in the House and the Senate, and he would have all this momentum, uh, he was always going to get some tax increase on the wealthy. He got something. But I think that's it. I think we can, Republicans now can say that was the tax increase you campaigned on. You got some of it. And that's it for tax increases over the next two years. And now we can have a serious debate, and Republicans need to make it a serious debate, on spending, on entitlement reform, on regulatory reform, on postponing Obamacare. Republicans need to really go now, say, you, you, you got what you wanted, now we get to push our agenda. And they really have a chance, I think, to put President Obama on the defensive. I'm sorry, the Republicans are too busy headed for the next cliff. It's the debt ceiling cliff. It's the budget cliff. It's the Cliff Clavin cliff. They're going to bring him back from Cheers. To ha- they're enamored of cliffs. Can Republicans walk past a ledge of any sort, Bill Crystal, without trying to fling no. themselves over it? No, that is a bit of a problem. They have a little bit of a, you know, uh, that uh, semi-suicidal inclination. And of course, <laughs> then they're going to have to fight with each other. And then, you know, Chris Christie is going to attack John right. Boehner and Cantor and Boehner are going to split and all this stuff will happen. Look, it's hard. You know, they, they control the House and not the Senate and certainly not the presidency. And um, they have a reasonably uh, sophisticated president, politically sophisticated, not very serious about governing, right. uh, going up against them. And so, they're going to be playing defense, defense mostly, I suppose, for the next two years. But I, having said that, I think they can sort of pivot a little bit here. We are running trillion-dollar deficits. The public is concerned about that. President Obama is doing nothing, nothing about it. And that seems to me to be the core of the Republican opportunity. Plus, economic growth isn't good. These tax increases, including, including the payroll tax increase, will, I think, damp down the economy unless they're corrected by other things. Some of the energy stuff will correct it because it's just such a right. you know, boom times in energy production. But I really think a growth agenda on the regulatory front to postpone Obamacare agenda, which would help growth, uh, and a spending and entitlement reform agenda, I think Republicans can get some traction with that, at least minimize the damage that President Obama can do over the next two years and lay the groundwork for victories in 2014 and, and 2016. But they've got to think about it that way. They can't delude themselves that you know, we Republicans controlling only the House are going to be able to uh, fundamentally transform America in a better direction or even prevent all the damage that President Obama is going to do. I mean, you know, that they were just that we're stuck with that, unfortunately, for the next two and four years. You mentioned, uh, Chris Christie, I want to get to that in a second. This, by the way, is in the podcast biz called a tease, Bill. We're going to talk about Chris Christie in a second, but I want to go... sophisticated, Michael. We're trying to. We're trying to step it up here, the Weekly Standard. You know, a little looking ahead, looking back. (laughs) It's really, it's impressive, you know? But I uh, I want to get to that conversation this way. You just mentioned an agenda that the Republicans could pursue, and one of the questions people are asking is, well, but who is going to pursue it in the world of media where everything is a fight and you send the teams out on the field? You need a leader, a general, and, and I, you know, somebody to put on the poster, a name to put on the bumper sticker. The Republican Party doesn't seem to have that person. Is there someone other than Bill Crystal, who's my nominee, by the way? Is there, seriously, is there somebody in the political governing group of Republicans who can be that man or woman? I think there's no one person um, uh, when you don't have the presidency and you don't have sort of a leader the way Reagan was in a way after he'd come close uh, in 76. Right. Uh, there's no one leader, 
But I think this is a chance for political entrepreneurs to seize the opportunity, seize the moment, and take leadership on different issues. Someone needs to stand up and, with the Republican governors and say, look, we have a good Medicaid reform proposal. Let's put that on the debt ceiling, uh, uh, on the debt ceiling hike as a way of really beginning to fix one of our entitlement programs and get Bobby Jindal or some other Republican governor to come to Washington to stand with a couple of key Republican senators and House members and make that a real issue. On a different issue, get someone else to take the lead. There are some good young members of, of the Senate, some good young, good young senators, good young members of Congress, and, of course, some good governors. So I think it's going to have to be a little bit more of a, you know, people, different people taking the lead on different issues. And I don't think they should wait to be tapped by John Boehner or Mitch McConnell or you or me. You know, this mm-hmm. is a moment for, for Jack Kemp-like political entrepreneurship and Scott Walker-like political entrepreneurship for people to get out there and take an issue and say, hey, what about this? Can't we do this? Even in the context mm-hmm of an Obama presidency. But, you know, Democrat. Bill Crystal, it's, you know, given that the average American voter doesn't know who their own U.S. senator is, much less the guy who's leading the way on Benghazi or on taxes, and given what we've seen with the New York Jets, where you try to have a squadron approach to quarterbacking, you end up stuck with Sanchez and he sucks. I mean, at some, doesn't the Republican Party need to find, say, one or two people that they kind of collectively choose, okay, this is going to be the guy we put on TV. This is going to be the guy who's going to be opposite Bill Crystal on Fox to talk about this? Well, yes. I mean, look, it would be nice if there was some magically, you know, guy that everyone agreed was the leader. It's probably not going to But I think you could have different leaders on different topics. And, and people who's, you know, a governor who's fixing Medicaid can do, mm-hmm. can be one thing. A governor who's fixing public sector unions can, that can be another. Someone who's got foreign policy experience uh, can be a spokesman on those issues. You know, someone else on defense. So I, I you know, I think for now it's, I don't know, the, yeah, the Jets example has me spooked here. But that, <laughs> I've worked out there. Well, maybe let's think about it this way. The, the Redskins, which you may have noticed, didn't right. make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have RG3. They also have Albert Morris. They also have uh, Santana Moss. You know, you can have but when it comes time to take the ball, though. Doing different things. What's that? When it comes time to taking the ball, though, you know, someone's got to be the quarterback. And here's the deal. Uh... Uh, John Boehner is a great dealer. He's he, The fact that he made that deal and somehow got the Republicans to vote for it rather than humiliating themselves for two more weeks and then voting on it again anyway is great. And if you take the letters in dealer, Bill, and switch them around, you end up with leader. So could John Boehner find a way to be not just a Washington, you know, get things done guy, but possibly a Gingrich-like spokesperson for ideas? I mean, I don't know. I actually personally like and respect John Boehner, but I think he's better off tapping a Paul Ryan to take the lead on this and a Tom Cotton to take the lead on that and asking a governor to come to town and make the case on this and being a little more of a circus master and a little right. less a ringmaster and a little less of the actual, you know, performing guy performing in the center in the center ring. Well, we have a guy who wants to perform, and he's Chris Christie, who's just champing at the bit to be the leader of something. Uh, and he uh, took the Republicans to task and laid it out. The fact that they didn't vote on Sandy Relief the way he wanted to was an absolute outrage. You know, it, it was kind of, a, I had really not focused on the Sandy Relief bill. It was one of those typical things when it gets away through the Senate. After he had his big fit, a couple of days ago, I actually went, like everyone else did, and took a look at it. And that $60 billion bill was a joke. And Speaker Boehner was absolutely right to say, we're not passing two minutes before the end of the old Congress. $60 billion? Do people have any sense of how much right. $60 billion is? That's twice the state budget of New Jersey. That's mm-hmm. about a tenth of the domestic discretionary spending of the federal government next year. And if you, I actually went and printed out the bill. It was like 95 pages. and sort of looked through it and went up, looked, you know, Googled a few articles on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, there's all kinds of junk. 
stuck in there. Some of it might be good, some of it might be bad, but guess what? We don't know because there haven't been hearings on it. There haven't been studies to back it up. There's like nothing. It's just everyone threw in whatever they wanted. Right. Let's have it give Amtrak some money. Let's have some roads built. Some of it, I'm sure, is necessary. Look, I, after all the damage that Sandy did to fishing in Alaska, Bill Crystal, it is heartless to listen to the you Alaska talk this way. The were important and all that. Other. So, so I actually give Boehner credit for having the nerve to say, you know what, we'll handle this when we come back, and the new Congress obviously is being sworn in as we speak today, and we'll be there tomorrow. I guess they're going to pass a $9 billion uh, supplemental emergency appropriations bill tomorrow, and maybe there'll have to be more money in a couple of weeks later, and maybe there'll ultimately be more money, but I suspect they'll end up spending... $20 billion, maybe $25 billion on this instead of 60 So I say give Speaker Boehner credit. He saved us $30 billion, <laughs> which ain't nothing, even in this day and age. And Chris Christie, I think, looks honestly like a foolish, I mean, just silly on this. There's no there's no nothing that's not happening in terms of people who are, you know, uh, needing food or shelter or anything right now that this bill would have addressed anyway. A huge percentage of it is for one, two, three, four-year projects. Many some of those projects may well be legitimate and necessary. Some of them you can make a case the federal government should pay for, but I'll bet that not all of them can be. And I bet the more, I think this could have been a big moment. I, I was thinking about this last night, that I think everyone battered you know, beat up John Boehner for this. Christie mm -hmm. got hugely favorable media attention. Even the Republican members of Congress were spooked, and the Republican members from New York and New Jersey went crazy. And, of course, they were perceived, uh, Speaker Boehner was perceived as having retreated a little by saying, well, I'll bring up that $9 billion on Friday. But uh, this could also be a moment where, sort of like the stimulus, where everyone thought it had such momentum. How can you oppose it? It's right. so horrifying. You're so insensitive. And then people say, well, wait a second. Can we just take a look at what's in this? And now that people, I suspect, you know, on talk radio and elsewhere, certainly at the magazine, on our website, people are looking at what's in that $60 billion, actually. And it turns out to be, you know, gee, I don't know, does that really have to happen? So I suspect this could be a moment where it turned out that to be the conventional wisdom was it's political suicide to stand up against this superficially attractive spending right. package. And it turns out that people will give, I think, the Republicans a little credit for not just rolling over on this. Uh, which brings us to uh, the last couple of questions. One is, my theory on 2013 is the best thing about it is that it's not 2012. I mean, really, how could it have been any worse than 2012? And I, year, and I well, count I'm... the fiscal cliff mess under 2012, too. Right. So going on, wh why wouldn't Republicans pick up the notion that it's time to go on offense? You're going to get called the mean-spirited haters of all people and, you know, the, the you know, you're anti-woman and anti-everything. Anyway, why not go on offense and make, for example, the people who wanted all that pork and all those scams in that bill Answer for it. Why not make President Obama answer questions about refusing to cut any spending at all, instead adding $300 billion of, of, of new spending? Does, does that make sense, or is the Republican brand so battered that they really do have to go into a cocoon of some sort and recover first before they can go out swinging? Well, the brand's not going to get any better by going into a cocoon. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the way you reestablish your brand, if you want to use that terminology, is by is by doing things. And so people say, hey, I thought those Republicans were pathetic, and I thought they were kind of messed up in 2012, but here they are actually in an intelligent fight in 2013. I don't think that means, you know, going out slugging mindlessly, obviously. Right. And I also do think it's very important that our guys, the conservatives, just keep, don't not have too high expectations. I would say that you can go on the, I'm for going on the offense. I'm also for being honest about the limits to what we'll be able to accomplish over a couple of years, but you can accomplish a lot. I think there's some actual practical things that could get done in the next year or two, despite having Barack Obama in the White House and despite having Harry Reid as Senate Majority Leader. More importantly, you can lay the groundwork for a big election in 2014 and for a 
big debate over the next three or four years that lays the groundwork for 2016. So I'm very much for going on offense, doing it obviously intelligently, picking your spots. There's some issues where you just got to kind of play defense and try to minimize the damage, where, where you just the structure of the government makes it hard for the House to go on, the, uh, on offense. Mm-hmm. But we do have good Republican governors. We do have good younger members of, the, of Congress. And we really need to let those guys uh, get out there and, and make their way. Which and, brings and, up the final question, which is the two or three people you'd like to see a lot more of in 2013. I think Paul Ryan should not, you know, retreat having been a defeated VP candidate. I think he needs to get out there and make the case on the big budget issues. Tom Cotton, the newly elected congressman being sworn in today from Arkansas, uh, uh, went to Harvard and Harvard Law School, despite that, a wonderful guy, (laughs) and uh, an Iraq and Afghan war vet, 35 years old, should get out there, as he has already done, and make the case on defense and foreign policy uh, and other issues. And I'd like to see some of the governors really step up nationally, not just in their states, and say, hey, look, I mean, Bobby Jindal, the governor of Louisiana, knows more about Medicaid and Medicare than 99% of the people in Congress. And he should say, here, I want to do this Medicaid reform, and if only uh, Congress will let me do it, and let the House of Representatives pass legislation letting him do it, and let President Obama explain why a sensible reform that a governor like Jindal and other governors will say both saves money and provides better health care, why he's stopping it or why Harry Reid's stopping it. I want to see a lot more of uh, the Weekly Standard, so I'll be checking weeklystandard.com regularly for, obviously, the latest in the magazine, the latest blog postings, and the latest podcasts. Bill Crystal, thanks so much for your time. Hey, thanks, Michael. Be well.